0: field with flowers that we can hand out and honor all of our mothers. Uh, so happy Mother's Day to all of you guys out there to our church family, the mothers that are in our church. We have some phenomenal mothers. And I'm blessed here today to have a few mothers with me, especially my wife, who I think is a great mother, and my mom is here today with me. So I'm thankful to have her. Uh, and I have a, we have a passage today that has mention of a mother, so I'll take that as a Mother's Day sermon. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And Matthew chapter 13, if you kind of want to give a a heading to the chapter, it is a chapter of parables or a chapter of stories. Uh, These are, if I was going to title the chapter, it would be famous stories of Jesus. That's what this is. He tells one after the other. There's seven or eight stories that Jesus tells and they're famous. Everybody knows them. Everybody's heard them. But there's not a whole lot of teaching been done on them. So I want to do that today. Just look at the next two. These are twin parables that go together hand in hand that we have to cover at the same time. And these two parables that he'll tell in verses 31 through 33 teaches us a, a very big lesson. And the big lesson that I want you to take away from this today is that very small things can have a very big impact in the world, or, or it can make a very big difference. So that's the title of the sermon: Small Things, Big Difference. Small things make a big difference. So I'm going to read these verses to you, verses 31 through 35. And we're going to basically look at verses 31, 32, and 33 today. So let me read these verses to you. And these are, again, uh, small things make a big difference. Verse 31 says, And another parable. And we know what a parable is it is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He says, And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a, to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs and become a the tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And another parable spake he unto them. These are again twins. They go together hand in hand. You really can't separate these two. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took. There's what I, I call her a mother. A woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And when he says these things are secret, he's saying it is a privilege and an honor for us to know and to understand what he's saying. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear what Jesus is saying today. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll study these two parables and see that small things make a big difference. Father, we thank you for your word. And for these truths that you are revealing unto us. It's said here in this verse that these things have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. They've been a mystery since since creation. People didn't know them. People didn't understand them. But here in these two parables, you are uh, revealing them to us. You're telling us the mystery. And I believe these things are very important. So God, help us to hear them today. Help us to understand them today. Help us to apply them today. Teach us these things that we don't know. Help us to understand things, God, that we don't understand. May you, by your Spirit, through the power of your Word, change our hearts and our lives through your Word. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you an old saying or an old proverb. I'm big on that kind of thing. I love... Old sayings. I love old proverbs. I love bringing these things out and, and you guys hearing them. I, I love writing them down. I have a book that I keep old sayings in. And this is an old saying from the 1700s that, that kind of uh, makes the point that I'm trying to make today. And here's what it says. And you guys can write this down, put it in your own book or, or, or remember it or memorize it. But it says great oaks from little acorns grow. I'm going to say that again. Great oaks and oaks are, the, are my favorite tree, but that's for another day. Great oaks. From little acorns grow. And the point of that little saying is that that something very tiny can easily grow into something very large and, and very impressive. And we know that. It's an obvious truth. It's not always, and we think that in America today. We've been taught that bigger is better, that you got to go big or you got to go home. And we want the big houses and the big cars and the big screen TVs. And the I want to go to Starbucks and I want to get the big coffee. When they, when they say, I don't want one of those little things. I want the bigger. The bigger, the better. That's what we're taught. But looks can be deceiving. Size can be deceiving. And what we're learning here is that oftentimes it's the small things that make the biggest difference. It's the small little sparks that ultimately can start the biggest flames. It's the smallest little pebbles that can make the biggest ripples in a in a still calm lake it's a small little uh, minuscule virus that can can put a stop to the entire nation and the entire world it's a small little coffee bean that can keep me going all day long so sometimes the small things make the the biggest difference and that's what Jesus is teaching here in these two parables and we can almost say that Small things make a big difference and we could walk out, but that's not enough. We need to understand what he means when he's saying small, little, tiny things sometimes make the biggest of differences. And why is he teaching them this here is because they thought Jesus would come and do big and mighty things for them. The disciples knew and believed in Jesus that He was the Messiah, He was the Christ, He was the the King of the Jews, and He was coming to save them. But in their mind, saving them meant political power. It meant military power. It meant that He was going to come and be their King and start their kingdom, and He was going to overrule and do these big, dazzling display of power and might, and He was going to take over the world. They even argued about it. Who's going to sit on your right hand when we're in the kingdom? And they wasn't talking about a heavenly kingdom. They were talking about right now. He is our king. He's going to come and he's going to take over. And we're going to be his subjects in his kingdom. That's what they expected. They expected big things. But what are they seeing? At this moment in Matthew 13, the big kingdom that they expected was tiny. It was small. Think about it. There was only 12 of them. They expected political power. They expected a, a military that would take over the world. They expected all these big things. And they had 12 men. And in Matthew 12, they were being attacked. Jesus was called the son of the devil. The crowds weren't getting bigger. They were getting smaller and smaller. They didn't have no power, no might, no money, no pomp, no show. This is the smallest kingdom they've ever seen. And they're sitting there and they're asking legitimate questions. We expected very, 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 very big. And we are a ragtag bunch of fishermen with Jesus, and we're losing people daily. Jesus even looked at them at one point and said, will you go away too? I mean, it's getting getting smaller. It's not getting larger. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. So in their mind, the question is, is, is becoming, get this, are we on the winning team or not? Is he really the king or not? Is he going to bring in a kingdom or is he not? This isn't what we expected. Is this it? Jesus and 12? Is this what's going to take over the world? Is this small group of men of nobodies going to make a big difference? And I think that's good for us today because we look around us and we are, and I'll say that for West End, but even the the, the church at large in America today is struggling. The world is getting darker. The antagonism towards Christianity is getting worse. There's more people opposed to Christ, to His Word, and to His church now than there's ever been. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. We're getting smaller. We're not getting bigger. The church even today is getting weak and small. It's compromising. It's watered down. It's indifferent. And I'll even say this, right now the church can't even meet. I mean, here we are. There's a handful of us here today. What's going on? Are we on the winning team? Do we have the right side? We are so small. We are so little, we are so insignificant, Uh, and it causes us to get discouraged, it causes us to get defeated, it causes us to get down. What's going on? We are so small, we are so little, we are so insignificant, are we on the right side? Didn't Jesus promise us better? Didn't Jesus promise to us bigger? That's the questions they're asking. That may be the question that you're asking. And that's the question that Jesus will answer here in these parables. He doesn't give us an answer. He gives us stories. Two stories to show us. And these these are encouraging. It was encouraging for me. As I look around and see the church in the way it is. And I look around and I'm used to pews being filled. And I, I see empty pews. This is encouraging, not discouraging. This is is lifting me up, and I love that. You get on the news right now, and it's doom and gloom. You open up your Bibles, and it's not doom and gloom. It's encouraging. It's comforting for Christians. If you are down and out, this is what you need to hear today. The church needs to hear these parables. The church needs to hear these two stories to show us that no matter how small and how bad it gets, the church is not going to die. The church is not going to go bankrupt. The church is not going to shut its doors. This is an unstoppable force in the world, unlike anything that we have ever seen. And we may be small and insignificant now, but God is doing big things with His small church. And that's what He's going to show us here. The gospel will go forward, and we've seen that. They've tried to shut us down, but the gospel is going further now than it ever has before. It's reaching the nations. The church will grow, and Jesus will be triumphant even if we look very small right now. So that's what he wants to teach us here in these two stories. That small things can make a very big difference in the world. You may think your church is small. You may think your role in the church and in the world is small. But small things can make the biggest difference. So let's look at this. I'm only going to give you two points, and I know you're sitting there thinking, whoa, two points. I mean, this is going to be crazy. But I've got two points and two parables. I want to show you, first of all, the impact Of a small seed. And there's a very large impact here from a small seed. He says there in verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them saying. The kingdom of heaven is like. And I think at that point you're going to sit there and think. What's the kingdom of heaven supposed to be like? What what is it? And, and, And the disciples are sitting there thinking. The kingdom of heaven is like what? Something very, 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 very big. But he says here the kingdom of heaven is like. a small grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field Another picture of a sower. Jesus is the sower. I, I love that picture. We've gotten it three weeks in a row. That Jesus compares himself to a sower. He compares his preachers to a sower. He compares his people to sowers. That it's our job to go out and sow the gospel seed in the world. I love that picture. I love that that's what I am. I'm a. I'm a sower. I have the gospel in my hand and nothing else. It's not about a political power. It's not about military power. It's me. I'm a farmer. I'm a sower. we got seed in our hand and it's our job to throw it as far and wide as we can that's our picture that's the church and whenever your church stops throwing the gospel seed it stops becoming a church we're sowers that's our job so he says here again it's it's like a man who goes sowing in his field and he has a seed and this seed here is a mustard seed and I, I, I don't want to get into I think it's horticulture is what this is I think somebody could correct me if I'm wrong and I know if I'm wrong someone will correct me Sometimes my Spanish can be wrong and I get corrected. So, so I'll get corrected. But that, that, it's talking again about sowing and seed and going out into the field. And this time the seed is a, is as a grain of mustard seed, mustard spice. It's a, a common black mustard seed. And it's a, the tiniest seed that there is. I actually Googled it this week just to see how small a mustard seed is. And, and it's, a, it's comparable to, I'll say this, a grain of sand. Or a fleck of pepper. That's what it's comparable to. That that's uh, you know how they'll do that? They'll set set it side by side to show you the size. That that's the size of it. It's a grain a, a grain of sand or a fleck of, of pepper it can be the same size as a small little mustard seed. I mean that that's small. That's that's tiny, that's that's minuscule. You can't get any smaller than a mustard seed. It was known for its smallness. So when he says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a mustard seed, they're sitting there thinking, oh boy. We're in trouble. That's the smallest it can get. You can't get any smaller without it, it being gone. It's invisible if it's smaller than a mustard seed. So this is, they may be looking at him saying, is this, a, is this a magic seed? Is it a miracle seed? No, 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 no. Mustard seed. Tiny little speck of mustard seed. Not impressive. Doesn't look good. Tiny little speck. This is what he compares it to. This is, and I want to, I want to apply this. This is how God works. God works with the smallest of things. He starts tiny and small and builds to bigger. Think about it. I've got some examples here that I want to give you. In creation, what did he start with? He started with Nothing. Exnelio is, is the term that is used, that, that is out of nothing. There was nothing. There was no material. There was no dirt. There was no mud. There was nothing there at all. And he spoke a, a word and he created all things. And he didn't speak a word and say city or, or a thousand people. He spoke a word and created one man. Started there with one man. And then he created one woman. And he started from... Those two. He starts small and works his way big to where here we are today. And it's not just there, but it was with Israel. He he, he picked the smallest nation he could find. He found a, a man named Abraham and his old wife. And he started his nation through those two people. And then you go into Jesus. How did Jesus come into the world? Was it big? No. One little girl in a manger in a small little nothing nowhere town called Nazareth. He had no riches, no army, no power, and he lived 30 years as a carpenter in obscurity. Small little beginnings to him becoming the savior of the world. And who did he pick to be his followers? I love this. These fishermen, these twelve disciples, and they aren't, they're a bunch of nobodies. I love that. He called them my little flock. I like to call them the faithful few and the master's minority. That's who they were. They were not large. They had no fanfare, nothing big, nothing flashy. That's who he had. Twelve fishermen that followed him around for three years. A tiny little group of men in a a tiny little town in Nowhereville. I mean, there's nothing there. He starts very, very small. Almost like the, the little boy with the bread and the fish that comes, in, and there's thousands of people that need to be fed. And Jesus takes something very, 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 very small and feeds thousands with it, does, does miraculous things with it. Showing us, again, that's often the very, very small things that make the biggest difference. So, this small seed, I want to show you the, the growth of this seed. He says, which is a a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least, the smallest. It doesn't get any more tiny than this seed. But then it grows. I love that. It grows. Why does it grow? Because living things grow. Within that tiny little seed is life. In that tiny little seed, there is power. And when it goes into the ground, it's going to grow. That's what it does. Living things grow. And I love that about the Gospel. It may be a tiny little thing to the world. It may be nothing to the world. But in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, there is power to do miraculous things. It is the power of God, Paul called it, uh, unto salvation unto all those who will believe. So it's a tiny little thing, and, and people are, are are seeing the gospel, and they say, no, 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 that's too little, that's too small, it doesn't do it enough work, but that little gospel message can impact the whole world. So this little seed goes into the ground. And does it grow immediately? If you go out and throw a seed into the dirt right now and you sit down and watch it, <laughs> how long would it take for it to grow? It wouldn't take longer than a day a week, a month. That's what he's saying here. It will grow. It will inevitably grow, but it's not going to go fast. And that's where we are in our world. We want big and we want fast. We want it big and we want it now. That's that's, that's, that's even in the church today. We want our church to be huge and we want it to be fast. And Jesus says it might be small and it might be slow because that's how God works. It may not take a week, it may not take a month. It may even take a year. But you trust the process. That's what you do. You don't go out to a farmer. I mean, that's what I said that we are preachers. We're just sowers. Throwing the seed out every week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And how long do you do it, Josh? Well, didn't Paul say in Second Timothy to preach the word and do it in season and out of season? Do it when people want it. Do it when people don't want it. Do it when there's all kinds of fruit and when there's no fruit at all. Just keep sowing the seed. Just keep trusting the process over and over and over. We're like a farmer out in the field just sowing the seed, throwing the seed, throwing the seed and trusting that that seed has life, has power in it and it will produce fruit. It may take a long time. It may take a year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, but it will produce what God has set it out to produce. We plant, we water and God will get the increase out of it. Churches aren't trusting the process anymore. They sit there and think, oh, it ain't growing fast enough. Our sower needs skinny jeans on. That'll make it grow. Boy, it will, right? We need a band. That'll make it grow. How many farmers do you see out there with a band? Boom, 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 you know. That'll make it grow. That'll get them here. Trust the process. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That's what we're to do. You don't go out there and say, Farmer, your seed ain't growing fast enough. You're a failure. We have today in churches the church growth programs. How to get your church from 50 to 100 to 500 in a month. <laughs> Nobody ever goes to a farmer and says, You need a, a, a crop growth program. No. Throw the seed, it will grow. It will grow. And that, that's what he's saying here. Everybody's losing confidence today in the thing that God gave us to do, preaching and praying. God told the church, preach and pray, preach and pray, preach and pray, preach and pray. And everybody's losing confidence in preach and pray. And they're doing everything but preaching and praying. You say, it don't work fast enough for me. It's not growing a big enough church for me. But God told us to preach and to pray. That's what we do. We plant, we water. He gets the increase. It may not be as big as we want. It may not be as fast as we want. But our job isn't to get it big and isn't to get it fast. Our job is to just throw the seed. And he can take small things and make a big difference out of them. I'll take a quote from an old movie. If you build it, they'll come. Great movie. Field of Dreams. Another subject. If you preach it, they'll come. If you preach it, it'll grow. That's just the truth. That's what Jesus is saying here. Just throw the seed. It'll grow. And when it grows, watch this, it becomes the greatest. And it will grow. because It's inevitable growth. It may be slow. It may be simple. It may not be like you want it to be. But it will grow. Which indeed, the least of all the seeds, when it is grown, it becomes the greatest among the herbs. You see that? We have the least of all the seeds becomes the greatest among all the, the herbs. So it comes from the least and it becomes the the greatest. I love that. Now the smallest becomes the greatest. This little tiny mustard seed becomes the greatest herb in all the garden. I'm not talking about a tree. This is not growing into a tree. It's growing into a bush. And it's the biggest bush that's in the garden. It could grow. I mean, most bushes don't grow this big, but it could grow anywhere from 12 feet to 15 feet high. This thing is massive. A tiny little speck grows into this big mustard bush. That's exactly what happened, too. It was Jesus. I I could go so far into this. Jesus said in in John 12, Verily, verily, except a a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies and remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So when Jesus is like a seed that went into the ground and was buried for three days and arose on the third day, He's like a seed that went into the ground and as He come out, there was so much fruit the world couldn't handle it. it started with him. Then it became the 12 disciples. And then in the upper room, there was 120. And then in Acts 2, there was 3,000 that were saved. And then in Acts 4, there's 5,000 that were saved. And then as you go through the New Testament, it goes into Antioch and to Ephesus and to Philippi and to Corinth and Rome and Asia Minor and North Africa. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we are meeting in a building dedicated to the worship of Jesus Christ. And we are a third of the world are Christians. And we are the, the overwhelming religion of the world all started with Jesus Jesus Christ going into the ground and up from the grave he arose. What a marvelous seed it is. And they cannot stop it. They've tried to stop the growth of the church from the time they killed Jesus. They killed the disciples. And the great quote out of the disciples being killed was that the blood of the martyrs is a seed of the church. The more they killed us, the faster we grew. I love that. The church survived Nero. The church survived the dark ages. The church will survive the coronavirus. Nothing has ever been able to stop the growth of the church. We will grow. We won't go bankrupt. We won't shut our doors. This will not stop us. I hear preachers out there and I hear churches. They're they're shaking. Oh, we're being persecuted. Oh, we're in so much trouble. No, we are an unstoppable force in the world and we will grow. The more they persecute us, the more we'll grow. It's like more seed they're throwing into the ground. We are in a battle that we will not lose. We're in a conflict that will not fail. And the end result. This is comforting for me. Sometimes you look out as a pastor and you think, I'm failing. Especially those Easter Sundays when you look out and there's Gracie and Christian and Isaiah and Emma and Steph. And I'm like, oh no, 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 it's unstoppable. And how big will it get? Watch this. It just just keeps growing. Not only the greatest among the herbs, but it becomes a tree. This is supernatural growth. A mustard seed into a bush, into a tree. So that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. You say, what in the world does that mean? That the birds, it's going to get so big That birds will be able to come and make their nests inside of it. What in the world is that that talking about? That the birds will come and find protection? That the birds will benefit from this this tree? It speaks of, and I've got to take you into the Old Testament just for a second, but it speaks of a kingdom that will be so great that everyone in the world will benefit from it. If you want to go there with me, you can turn to Daniel chapter 4. I've marked it. If you don't, just just listen to what I'm, uh, uh, as I read, starting in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 4. It speaks of this, of a Babylonian empire, not not the, the Christian kingdom, but the Babylonian empire. Look what it says. Thus were the visions of mine head and my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached all the way into the heavens, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. This is a massive kingdom. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow underneath it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the the boughs thereof, and all the flesh of the world was fed from it. Talking about a, a kingdom so great that the whole world benefits from it. And then you turn to Matthew 13, and that's what Jesus is saying. It's going to start with a very small seed. And it's going to become a kingdom that the whole wide world will benefit from. That even unbelievers will flock to the church for help. Even unbelievers, that's that's, that's a picture of the birds. The birds doesn't belong in the tree, but the birds, the people from all over the world are going to come and and flock underneath the shade of the church, the protection of the church, the the benefits of the church will will reach the whole world. Christianity will grow so big that every tribe, tongue, and nation will hear about the gospel. Matthew 24, 14 says that the gospel will be preached into the whole world and all nations. So it shows again, and I, I'm, I'm laboring this point, the amazing impact of a small seed. It started unimpressive, it started small, it started overlooked, but it becomes the greatest kingdom that the world has ever seen. You say, what's the application for this? Well, I think there's many here, but I, I want you to, to think about this. Don't chase the big, and don't chase the fast. The things that grow the fastest are the weeds. Usually the things that grow fast are aren't healthy at all. It's the slow growth that is the health of the church. So don't chase big. If you're looking for a church, don't chase the biggest church in town. Chase the, go after the best church in town. The most biblical church in town. It may not be big. It may not be flashy. But if it's sowing the seed, that's where you need to be. And the second application is don't despise small. Don't despise simple. And don't despise slow, because sometimes the small, the simple, and the slow is where God's doing the most work. And I'll give you examples. One preacher in a church with the gospel, sowing the gospel seed, will make a bigger impact on the world than the president of the United States. We need to be more concerned in our world today about what the preacher's preaching behind the pulpit than what the president's saying in the Oval Office. The preacher makes a bigger impact on the world than any politician ever can. There was an old quote from an old preacher that said, I would have to take a step down. It would be a step down for me to, to go from being a preacher to a politician. From a preacher to a president. There's no higher calling in the world than to be the one who sows the gospel seed. It may seem small. It may seem insignificant. You may be looked down on. And this may be to preachers out there. You may be looked down on. You may be talked about. You may create enemies. You may have small churches in the middle of nowhere with nobody. That may be where you're at. But you have a very significant role in the kingdom of God. Keep sowing the gospel seed and trust that Christ will grow His church. I'll give you another one. One dad in the home has a bigger impact than 10 athletes in an arena. That's just the truth. One dad that's leading his family to church in a godly manner does more than any athlete ever can. I grew up saying I want to be, I want to be like Mike. And now, looking back, I want to be, I want to be like my dad. Had a bigger impact in the world than Michael Jordan ever could. He could sell shoes. A dad grew up a boy that could preach the gospel. One dad, one small dad that was a coal miner in the middle of the mountains of Southwest Virginia makes a difference. I can go even further from Mother's Day. One mom in the home has a bigger impact than any movie star in any movie in Hollywood. We open up our magazines and we say, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. I want to be like her. I want my kids to grow up to be like my mom or my wife. What an impact a mother in in the home has. That's that's a role that's looked down upon in our culture. You want to be a mother? You want to be a mother? I hear people say that even now as me and Steph are having our fifth kid. Are you crazy? I can't beat the mother that my wife is. And if she can have that impact on not just one kid, not just two, not three, not four, but five kids, what kind of impact can five Christian kids make on the world as they grow up? I'll even go one step further. One small church with the gospel will have a greater impact on the world than any business or corporation that the world has in their buildings and in their, their massive amounts of money, one small church with the gospel will make a huge impact on the world. We need to know that. We have that gospel seed, and it may be very small, and I'm amazed at the extent that we are reaching at West End Baptist Church. It's amazing to me that this little small church, where we are, is reaching people all over the world with the gospel, even through the online ministry that we have. And God can take something small, something insignificant, something that everybody looks down upon in the world, and use it to make a massive impact. So that's point number one. The impact of a small seed. Point number two. You guys thought we'd get out of here early. Way wrong. Point number two. Not just the impact of a small seed. I want to show you the influence of a little leaven. The influence of a little leaven. Because he goes on to tell another parable. And this time he's got a a woman. And and I I don't want to be... be, old-fashioned about it here but this is the roles that they had back then you had the men that were out and they were sowing in the field that's what they did the men went out and they they were farmers that's what they did and where were the women in this time they were in the kitchen and they were baking bread and that's what we have here he tells two parables a man out in the field and he's sowing seed and a woman is in her home making bread I mean, that, that's the picture that he gives us. These are, are a common scene that everybody grew up seeing. If you lived in that time, you would walk through through the towns and you would look out and you'd say, okay, there's a man sowing seed. Then you go to the home and there's a woman making bread. Everybody knew what this picture was. So he gives us a second parable. A, a woman in the kitchen making bread. And it says that she takes, look at verse 33, another parable he spoke unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. Or yeast, and again, this is a small amount. This is this this leaven would be microscopic. You can't even see the how tiny this speck of leaven is. And, and, and women in that time kept a little bit of leaven around in the in the kitchen for just this use. And it would just be a small little bit that they had. And they would take this little bit of leaven. They would take this little bit of yeast, and they would put it into. It says she puts it into. Look. She takes this leaven, which a woman took, and she hid it. Which means she put it inside of three measures of flour. This three measures of flour is a huge amount of flour. I had to figure out what a measure was this week, but it's 60 pounds of flour. This would feed about 150 people. Or two boys in my house. (laughs) So she takes this microscopic little bit of, of leaven... And she hides it or puts it inside of the, the flour or, or the dough that she's making bread. And the woman ends up with, and I even drew a picture of it, a nice, <laughs> I showed Gracie earlier, it wasn't my best picture, so I won't show anybody else, a nice big loaf of bread. A big, big loaf of bread. That, that's what she ends up with until this, this leaven takes over the whole meal. And she makes this loaf of bread. The common picture. The leaven influences the whole loaf, that it, it she's not making crackers, she's making a loaf of bread without the leaven. And I, I've got to explain this. It, it, I spent a lot of week, uh, time this week thinking about cooking bread, but it, without the leaven, she would have made a pita or a, a cracker or a tortilla. It's hard. It's crunchy. It's really not very good. It's not. You wouldn't even consider it bread. But you put that little bit of leaven in it little bit tiny microscopic i mean just just barely anybody could even see it it's, it's like you just take it and, and and put it in and you can't even put it on top you gotta to, you gotta put it inside of it and that little bit makes it rise makes it get bigger makes it get fluffy i'll say it this way turns it delicious <laughs> so that you could take that bread and you can dip it in in honey butter and you can eat it it's almost like going to panera i mean this is this i was hungry all week <laughs> this is just reading about bread So she's talking about the influence. And this isn't the impact that that, that spreads out wide. This is the influence that gets inside and causes a difference on the inside. So she takes this little bit of leaven and she puts it in. And when it's placed in the flour or in the dough, it makes a humongous difference. It changes the whole thing into almost something completely different. It penetrates. I'm I'm going to show you what it does. First, it penetrates, which means she hides it inside. Then it influences over time. And then it spreads to the point where it permeates. That's a great word. Permeates the whole thing. So that's, that's the process. I want you to see, you guys, I know some people turn me off. He's talking about making bread. You put a little bit of leaven in the bread, and it penetrates it. It influences it and to the point where it permeates it. It takes over. This little bit takes over the whole loaf you say, well, what does that mean? Well, there's two ways to take it. That's why there's only two points today, because I've got so much to say. Leaven can be said to be bad. Leaven is just an, uh, an example of influence, is what it is. If you're, going to, if you're going to write notes alongside your Bible, tie, uh, write in leaven equals influence. And it can be a bad influence or it can be a good influence. And you need good influences in your life, but there are bad influences. The Bible talks about it repeatedly. Luke 12, 1 says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That's Luke 12.1. So that's a bad influence. That that hypocrisy is like a little bit of leaven in the church. And and it will will impact or influence the whole church. If you've got a little bit of hypocrisy in your church. It'll it'll penetrate. It'll influence. And it'll permeate the whole church. If your pastor is a hypocrite. It'll really influence the whole church. So he says in Luke 12.1. Beware. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That's a bad influence. You've seen churches be overrun by hypocrisy. One little hypocrite in the church can overrun the church with influence. And he goes on to say more, not just in Luke 12, 1, but Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 says this, a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf. He's talking about sin there, not hypocrisy. You guys know that the, the church at Corinth is one of the most depraved, sinful, awful churches that's ever been. And a little bit of sin in that church ultimately overrun it to the point where Paul had to write two letters to them to tell them to fix it. He says that. He says, get, get that out. Take that, take that leaven out of the church. Church discipline it. Get rid of it. You can't have that kind of sin start to permeate in your church and spread. You'll not become a hypocritical church. You'll become a sinful church it'll ruin your testimony you're not spreading good things you're spreading bad things i've got another one for you i've actually got two more galatians 5 says that leaven is legalism i won't go into that one but it's overbearing overwhelming rules in your church that aren't even biblical how you're supposed to dress and how your hair's supposed to be and all these different things that they give you, you can't go to the movie theater. And you can't there's all these different rules and it'll start that little influence of legalism will start to permeate in your church until it spreads to everybody. And that is a cold, dark place that you don't want to go to. And there's one more where he says that leaven is like false teaching. There's a reason that I speak about false teaching the way I do. I can be called harsh, I can be called mean. A lot of things because I, I will call out false teachers. I will call out false teaching. Because a little bit of false teaching, a little bit of false uh, teacher in your church. Oh, i listen to this one, oh, i listen to that one. It ain't that bad. It can't hurt me. Uh, listen to the influence. A little bit of, 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 of yeast, a little bit of leaven can ruin you. Let me apply this as a word of warning. Be careful who influences you. Be careful who influences your kids. A little bit. You say, oh, it's, just, it's not that bad. A little bit. A little bit. Be careful who influences your church. Oh, it can't can't be too bad to bring them in here. It can't be too bad that they listen to that. It can't be too bad. A little bit. Small things make a big difference. Whether it be good or whether it be bad. But here, I think he's talking about it in a good way. You say, why do you think it's good? Well, the main reason here is leaven makes the bread better. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, you, you tell me. I mean, he puts, they put a little bit of leaven in the bread and at the end you've got a loaf of bread and you don't have a cracker. You tell me, is, is a loaf of bread better than a cracker? It is. So this is making the bread better, not worse. So this influence is a good influence. You have your bad influences of, of legalism and false teaching and sin and, and hypocrisy. Those are bad influences. But you have your good influence, which is genuine Christianity. And, and I, I love that. What he's saying here is, and we'll start with, with us, that the gospel seed gets inside of us. It's hidden within our hearts. Not on the outside of us, but it works its way from the inside out. That's how the big impact is made, that you preach the gospel to, to, to all the world. And that gospel seed that you preach, it, it goes into our hearts, and it begins to influence us. And it get, begins to permeate inside of us until it has a, an impact that that is supernatural and that it overtakes us, and we become a completely different person. That old things have been passed away, and all things have become new. That's what happens. It's like that that leaven that gets inside of our hearts, and it completely changes who we are over time. Again, it may be simple. It may be slow. It, 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 it that's that's how it works it gets inside of us and and it starts to spread in us to where it's not just in our heart anymore it's in how we think it's in what we view it's in how we talk it's in everything in our lives it's spread out all over us it's a gospel influence in our lives and when we have that in us it starts in our hearts god takes a christian oh this is so good this even preaches better than it studies sometimes that's the opposite I'll be in my study and I'll think, this is so good. And then he gets, gets start preaching. He's like, yeah. Eh. But God takes us Christians and he hides us in the world. He puts us in the world. He, he says that I'm not taking you out of the world, but I'm leaving you in the world. I want you to be in the world, but not of the world. I want you to be in the world, influencing the world, and not letting the world influence you. I'm going to take you, and that loaf represents the whole world. And we are the the leaven that is taken and, and placed into the world. And He places us in there, and the influence of Christianity is huge. We're placed in, and I'm going to apply this we're placed in schools. What would our schools be without the influence of genuine Christianity? One Christian teacher, and I mean genuine Christian, teacher in a public school, you say, I can't make a big difference. Just like that little bit of leaven places you in that school, and you could make a remarkable difference. One player on a team you say there's 12 players on a team or, or 60 players on a football team and there's one Christian. How, how in the world could he make a, a difference? One genuine, and I mean genuine, that has the, the gospel in them and it's, it's permeated and it's true and, it, and it's real. You put that Christian on a team and they will make a massive difference. How about this one? At a workplace. You say, I'm surrounded by people that are lost. I'm surrounded by people that are, that are cussing and doing all kinds of ungodly things. How can I make a difference? I need to, to quit that job and go somewhere else. You're taking the influence away from the world. Take you and put you in the midst of that workplace. You say, some days I feel like I'm not making any difference at all. Some days I feel like it's getting worse around me. It's slow. It's simple. But you will influence. A genuine Christian is the most influential force on the face of this earth. I'm going to say that again and you need to write that down. A genuine Christian is the most influential force in the face of the world. Take a genuine Christian and put them in a school. I'll say this. How about this? How many times have you seen A mother gets saved, and in her house is an unsaved husband, and unsaved kids, and unsaved grandparents, and unsaved people everywhere. And all of a sudden, that one influence of that mother can influence and impact a whole family. Where their kids are saved, the grandkids are saved, the husband is saved. Even in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about that. What should a a saved spouse, a saved woman do to reach her unsaved husband? And, and, And the answer is simple, be a godly influence and you will win your husband that little bit of influence a husband in a home, a mother in a home. I've even seen children in a home. How many times have you seen that? Where a child gets saved and, and there's genuine Christianity in that child, and they, they want to go to church and they want to read their Bible and, and they're they're growing in holiness and, and they're living a different life, and all of a sudden the dad says, There's something different about him. And the mom says, Yeah, I gotta know what that is. Let's go to church with them. And before you know it, the whole family's saved because of a little influence from a, a little child. And that's from within. I love that. It's a subtle, everyday influence. That's often very quiet. That we overlook. We say, oh no, uh, the only one that can make an impact or be an influence in the world is a preacher. He's loud. He's on Facebook. He's the one. No, 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 no. The biggest influence in the world is you in your home, you at your workplace, you in your school. What we do here is prepare you to go there. We go out there, get this, and we outlive them. And I don't mean in years. We live better than they do. That's what we do. We outlive them. We live in the fruit of this genuine Christianity with love, with joy, with peace, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. That's what we do. We are different than they are and that influence begins to, to, to work on them and they'll look at you when, when times are bad and they need you to pray for them. They come to you for help. They come to you for counsel. You may think you're making no difference at all, but you keep living the life of a true, genuine Christian and you will influence all those around you. It'll be like that that, that little bit of leaven that gets in that loaf and before you know it, you're spreading out. Out all over where you work and where your school is and on your team. You don't just outlive them, you outlove them. I don't think Christians do enough of that. We, we, we get into our schools, our homes, we love. Love to the, to the nth degree, as high as you can love. How do you love like that? It's Christ in me. We even outdie them. I think that's pretty good. We outlive them, we outlove them, we outdie them. You say, what do you mean by outdie them? Oftentimes our influence won't be seen until after we're already gone. I couldn't tell you how many times it's been at a funeral home that that person laying in that casket has said, I've prayed for them, I've prayed for them, I've prayed for them. And there's been no change. And as they're laying in that casket, it's the son, it's the daughter, it's the wife, it's the friends that show up at the funeral. And the impact of their death, the influence of their life, changes their hearts. You may never even see it on this side, but your influence can make a huge difference in the world. small, little influence can make a big difference. As we live... And as we preach, it'll influence and it'll spread. It will. And it may not seem like much. You may be sitting there on Facebook or here today and you may be thinking, am I even making a difference? I think that too. I look around sometimes in Big Stone and I've been here 10 years and I think, am I even making a dent on this place? But according to the Bible, if I just keep living and I keep loving and I keep preaching and I keep throwing the gospel seed, there'll be a difference. It'll come. It may take 20 years. It may take more gray hair. It may take more sermons. It may take more time. But it may be be slow. It may be steady. It may be simple. It may be small. But I know, according to the Bible, your influence and, and, and your impact, it'll make a difference. It may seem very small. Even as our church, you look around and say, are we making a difference? Or is Big Stone Gap in Wise County better because of West End Baptist Church? And you may think that and you may, you may be concerned about that. But I believe as long as we keep preaching and we keep living and we keep loving and we keep dying like Christians die. And we be genuine, authentic Christians. We are and we will make a big difference in Big Stone and Wise County. Just keep living, keep loving, keep preaching. Keep being the genuine, authentic Christian that you are. And a small little thing like that can make a big difference. Christianity will spread. It says here that the whole thing is influenced. Which means it will have a dramatic effect on society. I'm going to close with this. Whenever genuine Christianity, wherever genuine Christianity is, it influences for good. The greatest nations that have ever been have had a, a large amount of Christianity in it. America was great. And I say was. I don't know where it's at now. Because it had the influence of Christianity permeating on the inside of it. And when that influence starts to wane, the nation starts to wane. And the influence may become bad. But wherever Christianity is, it influences for good. The worst nations on the planet are the ones with the least amount of Christians in it. Christians make an impact medically. Christians make an impact educationally. Christians make an impact when it comes to benevolence and reaching out and helping other people. When there's a tragedy, who are the first people there to help? When New York was, was overrun with people with the coronavirus, who was the first organization that showed up there ready to, to fight the battle? It was Samaritan's Purse. It was Christians. It was us there. They hated it. They, they opposed it. They didn't want them there. They tried to run them out. But there stood Christians ready to, to risk their own lives to reach out and to help people. Where Christianity is, it's always a good influence. You go to a nation or a society without Christianity, you can't live there. You can't. China has, has had historically the least amount of Christians in it. And I'll say this, it's the hardest place to live. The jungles with the, with the pagans. No Christian influence whatsoever. You can't live there. Their justice system is, is way off. Their medical system is, is way off. It's all uh, uh, Outrageous. But the presence and power of Christianity will always influence for good. Because we have that supernatural power within us. So in closing, if you're watching us today and you're here today and you're believers, I want you to be comforted. We are in a battle that we will not lose and we're on a mission that we will not fail. So don't overlook the small things. It's not about the big. It's not about the grand. It's, the, it's about the everyday faithful lives that we live. You don't have to be Billy Graham to make a difference. Be faithful in your home. Be faithful in your church. Be faithful in your job. And that old song says, Little is much when God is in it. I'm going to read you the lyrics before I close. i topped type them out before I come up here. In the harvest field now ripened, There's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest he's calling you. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it and he'll not forget his own. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth and fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go. In Jesus' name. And that's not just for the preacher. or for the one with the big ministry and the big church. That's for the mother and the father. And those who think they're not making a difference. Little as much as if God is in it. And for you today, if you're an unbeliever. And you're watching here. I want to thank you for being with us. And watching through an hour long sermon. If you've stuck it out with us, you've got some kind of interest if you're an unbeliever, you've never been saved. Let me say this. There's nothing big or grand that you have to do to be saved. I love that about salvation. That even my little kids can understand what it means to be saved. You don't have to do a big work. You don't have to come to church here to be saved. You don't have to walk this aisle. You don't have to make this grand profession in front of the whole church. You don't have to get into the baptistry. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to make things better. You don't have to turn over a new leaf. You don't have to make some sort of reformation in your life. You don't need to get better to get saved. He's not telling you to do something very, very big in order to get saved. He already did the big thing in order to save us by dying on the cross for us. That was the big work. You say, What do I have to do? I love this. Matthew chapter 17, he says, All it takes is the faith the size of a mustard seed. Hmm. That's pretty good. You don't even have to have great faith. I people say, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. You don't have to have great faith. All you have to do is have enough faith, the size of a, a mustard seed, the smallest, most minuscule little seed that you could ever have. If you have just a little bit of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that will make not a big difference, but an eternal difference. All you have to do is put your little bit of faith in Jesus Christ and He will save you. And little will be much because God is in it. It'll permeate into your soul and into your heart and change your life. You don't have to do it. That little bit of faith. That little bit of faith. That's all it takes. Churches today preaching, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you gotta do this, and you gotta do that. And people look at say, I can't do all that, so I can't get saved. Jesus said, All it takes is a little bit of faith. Tiny little bit of faith. And a kid can understand it. My little Christian made a profession of faith just a few months ago. A little bit of faith. Nothing big. Me, just a little bit of faith. Changed my whole life. Changed my eternity. I was going to hell, now I'm going to heaven. A little bit of faith. A little bit of faith, that's all it takes. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ today, I believe Jesus is God I believe He died on the cross for my sins and was buried and rose again. I believe if I put my faith in Him, He'll save me and forgive me from all all of my sins. I believe that. I, I believe that. And you can be saved today. And I urge you today, I plead with you today, I beg you today, please put your faith in Jesus. It's the simplest, easiest thing that you'll ever do. God does the big work. All you have to do is believe And if you have any questions, I would love to talk to you. Call the church. Come down here and meet with me. Send us a message online. I pray that God will take this gospel message, the seed that has been thrown, small sermon, small passage, and he'll use it to do big things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And that we can trust it to to accomplish exactly what it is you set it out to do. God, I have rested, banked my whole ministry in life upon your word being the truth and that all we have to do is preach it and you'll do remarkable things with it. So I pray that you would take that today and do it. Do remarkable things with such a small sermon. I know you do, God. Big things with some of the smallest people in the smallest places. Now, you use me in that way in this sermon today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name.